Hi there, it's Gary Turner from Value Through Vulnerability here, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Um, Today I had a really, really exciting conversation with Kelly Swingler from Chrysalis Consulting. Um, Known Kelly for around the last 12 to 18 months, we actually joined through the workforce of the future um, group um, back then and have have co-facilitated a couple of events since then for the WAF. But Kelly, for me, is a really, really inspiring person, somebody that really knows who she is, someone that really lives a life full of purpose. And I think you're going to find this conversation really, really interesting. I do believe inspiring. If we talk around a whole range of things across self-awareness, vulnerability, inclusion and role modelling, feedback and a whole range of other other topics. And I just find speaking to Kelly really, really easy. Um, she clearly knows her craft. She's clearly very passionate about trying to make a difference in the world with what she does. But she also seems very, very grounded, someone that regularly practices her self-care um, with mindfulness three times a day, um, as well as other um, aspects of self-care. And she talks as well about topics such as accountability. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me is this, really hearing somebody, another human being, living and breathing their personal values and purpose. There's an awful lot of discussion about that in sort of organisational design, organisational cultural context. But how many of us can truly sit down and look at our, our true north, really know who we are, know what we're here to do, and really take the brave steps to actually bring that to life? I've certainly lo- learned a lot from Kelly on this um, podcast today, and I really believe that you will too. So um, please do enjoy it, and please offer some feedback as well. So welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And this morning, I'm really excited to have a very special guest with me today, which is Kelly Swingler from Chrysalis Consulting. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Gary. How are you? I am amazing. Thank you very much on this lovely Tuesday morning. Um, (laughs) So thank you for joining me. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I know we had a bit of a sort of a chat recently around sort of some of the key themes as to why I sort of brought this podcast into being really and of course just for any listeners you know you helped me with sort of several hours of coaching actually a few months ago to sort of help me move forward with some of my personal journey and I guess what I'd like just to talk about today Kelly with you is just some general themes around self-awareness vulnerability inclusion you know how do these sorts of more human topics shall we say how are they showing up in your your client work your own life maybe and uh, you know how do you see these things being important or maybe even not being so important in the future. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Um, So do you want to give give us a little bit of an intro for anyone that might be listening that doesn't know you so well or or so much about Chrysalis? Do you mind giving us a bit of a a rundown? Uh, No, of course. So um, I had a 20-year HR background. I was working within HR, large organisations, latterly within housing, uh, I'm really kind of generalist. I did a lot of HR, I did a lot of OD, and I did a lot of L&D. And I think uh, actually through my own coaching journey, uh, found myself say that I wanted to uh, start my own business, which is something I'd never heard myself say before. I was always going to you know, keep progressing in HR, be a global HR director. Um, but I think actually what, what kind of tr- started to trigger a lot of that change for me uh, were a number of things really. And, and I think some of that was recognising 
firstly that a lot of the work that I was doing within HR was conflicting with a lot of my own personal values and I had I suppose over the years uh, either ignored those or kind of switched them off a little bit you know I was kind of just there going through the motions of the job this is what I needed to do for the job uh, but was finding more and more that as I said the, the work that I was doing was was less aligned to my to my own personal values and that was causing me um, quite a lot of stress I suppose around that but also I was recognizing that a lot of the consultancies that my organizations were working with that my employers were working with a lot of the consultancies that we were bringing in I felt were operating in a lot of unethical ways so they were failing to really listen to what the customer wanted listen to what the customer needed and after one particular workshop where uh, one of the top four consultancies had had the entire leadership team uh, in a in a meeting one day talking about what our uh, operating model would look like we'd been in there all day and at the end of the day he kind of pulled this structure out of his jacket pocket and basically said this is what you'll be doing and none of that reflected any of the conversations that we've been having throughout the course of the day so from a cost perspective for me from an ethical perspective for me and with I suppose having this realization that I wanted to be able to do things differently and be able to kind of do work that was much more aligned to my own values that's really where chrysalis consulting was was kind of born from so with the work that we do we do a lot of change we do a lot of transformation i personally do quite a lot of coaching um, but the hr work that we do the l d work that we do all of the work that we do is really i suppose in some ways kind of bespoke so whilst we we work from a, a core set of principles and a, and a core set of values but we don't work from uh, frameworks and targets and, and all of those sorts of things because it's very much about listening to what the client wants, listening to what the client needs and then creating solutions for them from there. So uh, it's been going, you know, it's, we're, we're in our fifth year now. So whatever we're doing mm -hmm. has been, is working, uh, <laughs> you know, and we're continuing to go from strength to strength. So certainly over the last, uh, last few months, it has been absolutely manic. Uh, but in a very, very good way. So I'm, I'm really proud of kind of where, where we are and, and where we're going. That's fantastic. Thanks for that introduction. I, I think five years in and for you to sound so eloquent, Kelly, around that sort of jumping into the sort of the, uh, the sea, <laughs> basically from, from this long sort of, you know, almost, you know, you're looking at your hierarchical, how to become the global HR director and then into this, uh -huh. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to set up on yeah. my own. So yes. what, so what out of those things you described the values misalignment the you know this experience with one of the big four consultancies was any part of that more pressing for you that made you jump into this the sort of new world that you now operate in or is it really a combination of, of all of it i think it was really a combination of the two so i again i think when i first heard myself say that i was going to start this you know start this business you know, it just it still seemed a little bit weird like you know we don't don't know where that came from um wouldn't know how to run a business wouldn't know where to start wouldn't know what to do with it um but actually there was another workshop that i went to and this this kind of feeling of having to start my own business uh was just getting really really overpowering so i was coming back from london to peterborough 50 minute train journey and on during that 50 minutes i had kind of mapped out business plan what we were going to do uh who the you know, clients we were going to work with the type of work we were going to deliver uh, I was married at the time, burst into the house to kind of tell my, tell my husband at the time um, that I was going to be starting this new business. And being the main breadwinner in the house at the time, 
Uh, we then, you know, talked about it needs to be two years. We'd need to save. We'd need security. We'd need all of this stuff. And uh, three months later, I handed my notice in and started the business. So, um, <laughs> I, and I think, you know, part of that was my personal desire. Mm-hmm. Um, when that started, it was something that I just felt I had to do. But I think more and more so again, because more of the work that I was doing was becoming misaligned with my values and then seeing, again, what I kind of class as this unethical consultancy that was happening. It just became, it was, it was kind of more something that I had to do rather than something that just kind of was a little bit of a want. So it, it definitely became a something, you know, it became a had. That's really powerful because you, you hear so you hear read so much, don't you, about values, values alignment, purpose at work, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, which I'm, I'm a big believer in as well. You know, having, as, as you're aware of, I've done a lot of work on my fears, clarifying my personal purposes. And that definitely does give you that true north, that guide. Absolutely. Are you seeing that as an important aspect of your client work at the moment around this sort of purpose angle? Is that, you know, maybe if I go back a step, you know, if you're going to look at your bespoke work you're doing with your clients, is, are there common themes that you're seeing at the moment around future of work, OD, L&D, you know, there's certain areas that you're, you're focusing on. Yeah. I, I suppose if I were to look at common themes, I think the common themes are that they'd absolutely want change. What they have been doing has served a purpose for them up until this point, mm-hmm. but they have recognized now that they do need to be doing things differently. And so, you know, either a different perspective or a different way of working, or they need to be changing the way. So I, I think there's definitely that in there. And I think actually when we start working with people, it is much more about having what we kind of class really kind of one of one of our things is kind of hot conversations, which is about kind of, uh, uh, you know, honesty, openness and transparency. And I think for a lot of businesses, for a lot of, you know, for, for a lot of our people within businesses, that's been missing for quite a long time. I think we get to a point of trying to hide what we're doing or hide what we're saying or we don't want to have the adult conversations with people because you know we risk tribunals happening or we risk people you know starting all of these issues and um so I think the more that certainly the more that we work with people we're seeing and we're you know we the feedback that we're getting from people is you know kind of wow we didn't you know thanks very much we didn't think we could do this this has made such, such a big change and a lot of that really is just by having these open honest and transparent conversations to get people talking more about what the issues are what the challenges are what the successes are you know i don't, I don't think we necessarily celebrate successes enough mm-hmm. and you know i think just getting people to stop reflect focus on what it is that they really really want to do and where they need to get get to well i love i love that concept of hot conversations honesty openness transparency that's really yes. really cool yes we have that yes that is, that's really <laughs> nice no i really because really, you're really it's sort of quite a nice segue actually into the, those sort of three themes that i was really interested to talk to you about this sort of self-awareness mm-hmm. vulnerability and sort of inclusion so yeah you know, if you're doing a lot of change and talking about these hot conversations, this self-awareness or getting people to actually stop and feel it's okay to stop. Yeah. How's that? How are you sort of helping people with that? You know, what's it taking for you? Or maybe what is even self-awareness to you, Kelly, you know, as, as a concept, as a construct? I think I've, I've been doing, you, you, you'll know from certainly some of our, our previous conversations, I think kind of self, self-awareness, self-discovery, um, is a is a bit of a journey that I've been on for kind of five or six years now, and um, I think we, uh, I suppose the the entire journey really. I think we we kind of go through school. Obviously, as teenagers, we've got 
you know, I'm going through this with, with my own sons at the moment, but you know, you kind of go through your GCSEs, your A-levels, uh, you've got hormones all over the place, you've got your exams to pass, you've got jobs that you need to get, you've got driving tests, you've got, you've got all of those things that you need to do, but you're still expected to kind of fit within this school mold. And actually, if you're different, you, there is a likelihood either that you are being bullied at school or with your teachers, you're being too much of something and therefore you still have to sit within this mold. And then I think as we, you know, kind of venture into the world of work, you know, I, I, I didn't go to university. I made the decision uh, initially I wanted to go into law, um, decided I wasn't going to not earn any money until I was about 27. So uh, I went into, into kind of retail, but started my HR qualification straight away. So I, I kind of went straight into work after my A-levels and um, you then kind of had to fit within another mold. You know, this is the management training that we're doing. This is, this is who we are. So I think, in terms of being able to bring out your own personality or being able to really look at what your values are or, or who you are, I think unless you are being encouraged to do, to do that at, at some stage in your career or within your life, it's quite difficult. And I think for a lot of teens and young adults, I think that's where we start to, to kind of get, to, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I think that's where a lot of the kind of stress and, and unhappiness comes from. But I think also with a lot of people that I speak to and certainly a lot of friends of mine, you know, kind of late 40s, early 50s, they're just getting into that kind of, it kind of I don't know, kind of is this is this all that life has got to offer? It feels as though I should be doing something different, but I don't really know. Um, and then I think they start to look at who they are, what's important to them, uh, kind of where we go with it. So I think if we're curious enough or if we've got that support network around us from quite an early age. So I suppose I was quite lucky. I started working with coaches kind of in my early twenties, again, because of the type of career um, that I was doing. And through those coaching conversations, it was very much about who are you? What are your strengths? What are your values? Um, what are your development areas? So I was being asked those questions at quite an early age, whereas some, some of my friends of my age have never been asked any of those questions and they just go through, you know, they go through life, they go through their job, they then become parents They, you know, and, and then it, usually I think it's when something happens to them, you know, some sort of trauma happens or an accident happens, or there's an illness in the family or something. And it's that point that makes them then reconsider what's important, what's important to them, what's important to their family and where they need to go with it. So I think it's a shame that some of us have to wait until we get to that kind of crisis point before we start exploring that. And I think it's a shame that some of us wait until we're kind of late 40s, early 50s, or even sometimes later before we start asking those sorts of questions. But I think if we can start having those sorts of conversations in the workplace from very early on um, and, and looking at, you know, I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of research at the moment around kind of individualism in the workplace and what that means mm -hmm. for the individual at work. I'd love to see all of us be able to just be our true selves. But I do think in order for us to be able to do that, we need to understand who we are. So it's all very well, you know, creating a workplace <clears throat> based on individuality, come to work and be yourself if you don't know who that is because you've never been allowed to be yourself either at school or at work or at home or with your friends or with your family, how on earth do you then just become yourself at work? God, there's so much I want to unpick with this. Kelly. <laughs> well, it's probably a bit of a ramble, but I, I get quite passionate about this stuff. <laughs> no, but there's like, there's sort of three and a half days worth of chats out here. <laughs> but, 
the thing that's really screaming out to me with this, you mentioned about the education system. And I'm, I'm very passionate about that as well, uh, as I know you are. I do some work with, um, as a volunteer enterprise advisor with a careers enterprise company who are actually mm-hmm. trying to bridge the real world of work and schools earlier yeah. so that people have those experience against the Gatsby benchmarks and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But you've really actually, so, so, <laughs> I'm going to level deeper listening to you talk now because although it's, I see it as obvious that there's an educational challenge, you know, it's the old, you know, bums on seats, Ofsted, you know, hit the results rather mm-hmm. than being an individual person, all, all of the stuff we've talked about for, for the last sort of 10, 20 years. But there isn't, there, we're not actually talking about, even at that sort of enterprise advisor level, the more cultural dynamic of this. We're looking at actually what does the world of work need mm-hmm. and what can education feed into the world of work rather yeah. than who is the human being that's coming from education yeah. into yeah. the world of work. So yeah. actually there's a lot of good stuff being done, but I don't think it's being done at the right level potentially. No, we look at it very much from a skills basis, don't we? So actually what's the world of work going to look like in five years or 10 years? What do we need more of? So, you know, we're talking about robotics. We're talking about AI. We're talking, uh, again, you and I have had conversations in terms of uh, not what we would call soft skills, uh, but, you know, <laughs> what we've said are the harder skills in, in order to develop. But, you know, things around, uh, you know, your compassion, things about your vulnerability, things about empathy, things about collaboration. So, again, we talk about those sorts of things. But I, I never really see us do anything about what is important to you as a person. What are your values? What are your ethics? What are your morals? What is your purpose? And, you know, I, I think you, you can't turn on YouTube or look at any kind of videos on, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of the stuff that comes off on Twitter without, you know, who we look at some, some of the influencers talking to us about purpose and about vision. And, you know, you need to have your why so we're saying we kind of need those things in order to be successful at work. We're saying we need those things if you're going to be an entrepreneur, but we're not having conversations with people about what are your values? What are your morals? What are your ethics? What is your vision? What is your purpose? And yet we're, you know, in all, apparently if you want to be successful in your life, that, that's what you've got to have. So where do we bridge that gap between what I suppose, you know, these kind of key influences are telling us we need and what we're, you know, what we're teaching through education, what we're expecting people to be doing through the workplace, because actually what, what we're doing a lot is expecting people to kind of fit within boxes. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in there is no box. Um, but that's, that's potentially what we do. Even when we're recruiting people, this is the job spec. Yeah. Do, you, do you match all of these elements? Do you know, person specification, do you tick all of these boxes? We don't really then look at what else can you bring what are you really passionate about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And you can sit going through recruitment processes. And of course, everyone would tell you, know, if you were recruiting an accountant, for example, they'll tell you that accounting gets them out of bed in the morning. And that may well be the case. Or are they just telling you that because that's the role they're being recruited for? Yeah. And I think we need to kind of explore a little bit more of that as well. I quite like this piece you're talking about with the, the sort of influencers, you know, who are the people that are, you know, who are we, who's advising us, who's recommending that we need this purpose, these values, et cetera. If you look at the vulnerability piece, Kelly, for you, you know, okay, if I look at it, I still see, you know, and I, I'm a white male, <laughs> you know, white male privilege, you know, I know where I'm coming from, I'm learning more about that quite recently. Uh-huh. But, you know, where, where are the role models for young people coming out of education into the real world of work for people actually going, it's okay to be you. Boys uh-huh. can cry, you know, yeah. you can get upset. 
you can learn from other people. You don't need all the answers. So where yeah. are those role models for you right now for, to, to help those people sort of come in? Do you have any examples that sort of inspire you from that? Aspect? Well, again, I, I think in terms of, of who we kind of look at. So uh, Brené Brown is an absolute big one for me in terms of all of the work that I'm doing and, and everything that I'm kind of going through. Um, but interestingly, I was um, helping a, a coaching client of mine last week. She's uh, doing a presentation tonight and she wanted to go through a presentation with me last week. And she's talking about something completely different, but actually we were talking about role models and we were talking about diversity and we were talking about inclusion. And what we were struggling to find, so she's, her presentation in, in terms of the, the, the actual physical presentation of it is just really made up of kind of figureheads uh, kind of I suppose throughout history or you know current figureheads that we would look up to and admire and say yes those people really changed changed the world or you know they did something about it and we were struggling within that presentation she'd already come with some of her images but we were we were really struggling to find someone that was current mm. and we were really struggling to find someone that was young and actually we both work within HR and we were both struggling to find people that we would look up to and say, this is the HR person that I would absolutely look up to and I would, I would absolutely go to. So I think in, in terms of where we are, I can, you know, I can talk about, there's lots and lots of people that inspire me. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of different people from idea. You know, if I look at people like Oprah, I look at Brené Brown, um, some of my school teachers, you know, I kind of still look at them and think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, my mum is a big one, um, you know, in terms of, you know, my mum and my dad, um, they had a, a role reversal kind of back in the 80s. So my dad stayed at home. My mum was the one that went out to went out to work. But again, in the 80s, that was really unusual. So we, mm -hmm. were, we were seen really as kind of the odd family. <laughs> Whereas actually now, you know, and I'm kind of, you know, kind of grown with, you know, kind of teenagers of, of my own. Actually, that was, that was something really brave for both of them. It worked for both of them. And, I, you know, I suppose, you know, so my, my parents in some ways are, kind of, you know, my heroes now, if you like. You, you kind of broke a bit of the mould and, and you were able to do that. But I think you've just got to keep kind of looking, actually, where do you need more support? Where do you need more help? Um, what is it that you kind of want to learn more about? So Brené is definitely one for me. Um, uh, I think uh, Glenn Elliott from Reward Gateway has been, um, I think just his business story, his background, um, all just as a, as a person, uh, you know, kind of, I, I think I'm probably kind of a bit of a Glenn cheerleader uh you know whenever there's something out there you're like go Glenn uh you know but I and you know and I, I think there are lots of people one of my friends um is uh, all over the all over the place at the moment as she won kind of digital leader last year uh for kind of women in tech so um the likes of Vicky that we know through workforce of the future I've put her and, and Helen in touch with each other from kind of a digital perspective because again from you know from Vicky's perspective where are the female role models in tech well actually I, mm -hmm. I know one uh, you know, this is somebody that I could put you in contact with. So I, I think we've got to keep having those conversations because it may not necessarily be somebody that's right in our face. Absolutely. And again, I, I think sometimes, you know, lots of people um, over the years won't necessarily get into, into the, the kind of recent debate with it. But, uh, you know, lots of people will kind of talk about the Tony Robbins of this world. There was something that never really clicked for me with Tony Robbins. 
but everybody was like, you have to see and you have to see and you have to see. And it just, it never really resonated for me. So I think if something doesn't click for you, don't feel that you have to go down that road or follow what this particular person is doing. I think you'll know what feels right. But also I think we need to start having more real conversations with real people and looking for those people within our network. You know, we can be surrounded by 50,000 influencers on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Um, and I think that's great. You know, I've, I've mentioned, you know, two of mine, Oprah and, and Brené Brown. Unlikely I'm ever going to have a real life conversation with them, but, you know, watching their stuff or reading their stuff always kind of really fires me up. But actually I want to be having more of these type of conversations with people with similar mindset, with people that with similar thinking, let's explore ideas. Let's see what we can do to help each other. And yeah. I think we've not be afraid of reaching out to people that have got similar views and having more of these types of conversations. I really, really like, I really, really like that because as I've listened to you talk, Brené Brown for me, absolutely. You know, reading her Braving the Wilderness book was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Done it in about 48 hours, which is quite yeah. incredible for me. <laughs> so no, Brené Brown's a big one for me as well. And I think, you know, apart from that, there's a few people out there, you know, like sort of Adam Grant, I quite like some of his stuff. Oh. Susan Kane. But I think I'm with you. I think the, with technology and how it's, you know, Twitter in particular and how it connects it yeah. gives us the ability to connect now, you know, so if, if I use my Twitter, well, I've gone from what, 50 people on Twitter probably 18 months ago to over a thousand now, mm. just because of the richness of the conversation. And I agree yeah. with you as well around the like-minded thinking, but also challenging as well. And, I, and I, what I like about you, Kelly, is you're not someone that just goes, yeah, 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 not, you know, nod, 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 I agree. You know, it's very much about, okay, yeah, I, I like that angle of what you're thinking, but actually what about that? Or yeah. I don't quite agree with that. So I think, Yes, similar thinking so you can grow together, but yeah. also actually a bit of a challenger, sort of a challenger network as well. And yeah. I think tech's sort of allowing us to sort of go from the gurus, isn't it, to actually people yeah. like you and I, to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also kind of having that belief in yourself, again, I, I think lots of us, and particularly, again, I think when it comes to the things that we were talking about, kind of self-awareness and vulnerability, it's very easy to start looking outwards for people to help us. So actually I need this person to talk to you about this and I need this person and, you know, and I want to take that person and that person. And, and I think it's great to share ideas. But again, I think part of that self-awareness piece, the vulnerability piece, the courage piece, overcoming our fears, a lot of that comes from us internally. And I genuinely believe um, with, with all of my work and, and with all of my coaching um, that all of us have the answers that we need inside ourselves. We can, we can grow them from other people and we can test them with other people. And yes, that challenge is great to maybe help test our understanding or, or you know, to kind of help us grow in a, in a different way. So I'm not saying we, we shouldn't be connecting with people. I think we absolutely should. But I also think there comes a point where we have to stop looking outwards mm. and say, actually, yes, this is, this is me. This is who I am. And now it's just, you know, how do I be a better version of myself? Or how do I be a fuller version of myself? Or how can I be a happier version? Or actually, this is just me and I'm content with who I am. And now I'm going to kind of, you know, do whatever it is that, that I need to be doing to, to go forward. So I think there does come a point where we have to stop looking at the experts and stop looking at everybody around us and do that inward looking view. Very mm. very what gets in the way of that, in your opinion? So, because cause I think feedback as a concept is very difficult for a lot of people. And again, if we go back to what you discussed earlier around education system awareness, yeah. it's easy to see why people don't like getting feedback or generally 
if you look at a lot of the research, you know, people don't generally like getting feedback. They fear it's going to be negative. Mm -hmm. So how does that sort of connect with sort of this sort of introspective piece? Do you you see that with your work? Maybe some of the the research you look at around this sort of fear, feedback, self-awareness? I, I, again, I don't necessarily feel there's, there's necessarily kind of a a fear or a, or a a not wanting to get feedback. Again, I think feedback is all about the delivery. Mm -hmm. And I think all we've ever been used to is receiving negative feedback. Then obviously Mm -hmm. we'll continue to grow thinking that feedback is always negative. Mm -hmm. I've always been in quite a, a, I suppose, a fortunate, I say always, not always, but mostly have been in quite a fortunate position where actually the feedback that I've, that I have received has always been very positively delivered. So from school, Mm -hmm. from home, in the workplace, I've had some, you know, amazing managers, amazing colleagues. I crave feedback. Yeah. You know, I, I want to know what worked well, what didn't work well, what could we do next time? Um, you know, the, all of those sorts of things, because actually I want to keep on growing. I want to keep on delivering. And again, I think, you know, throughout my career, um, you know, kind of at the, at the time, kind of UK's youngest HR director, you know, I, I was managing enormous teams, but I always asked for feedback. And every time before I went into one of my reviews, whether it so occasionally we, I did a kind of few 360s, but I would not go into my appraisal until I had spoken from people to people from around the business, including my team about, right, you know, how do we grow? What can I be doing differently? What did I do that you liked? What did I do that you didn't? And I've craved that to help me grow and develop. And I think part of that is, we, we don't always see what we're doing well. I could give you pages and pages of all the stuff mm-hmm. that I don't do well, mm-hmm. but would at times struggle to tell you what I did really well. So I think sometimes getting that as well and being able to recognize that your successes and your achievements is just as important as recognizing the areas that you need to grow in. So I think asking for feedback is, is absolutely invaluable. And again, I think it's, it's where we take that on board. So if one person out of a thousand doesn't like the way that I delivered something, does that mean I'm going to kind of run to the hills and automatically change everything that I'm doing because mm. of that one person? Or does it just mean that actually there wasn't that connection between that one person? So therefore, you know, I'll kind of take it on board. Yes, you know, kind of, you know, really value your feedback. But actually, this is the way that I do things. And again, I think when we are self, when we've got more self-awareness, we know really what we need to change, what we need to modify and what we need to grow. It's not, I have to change everything because I've received feedback from one person that tells me it wasn't what they wanted. Okay, well, let's, let's absolutely not, not say we ignore it, but does that one person's opinion mean we have to change our entire self because that one person out of a thousand wasn't particularly happy with us? And again, I think, that's the point that lots of us have got to. I still focus too much on the negative. I did a talk a few weeks ago. Uh, one person had one person left kind of halfway through and I, I, went, I immediately went into, oh my God, they just walked out of my talk. Um, and they didn't, they'd already had an arranged call. They left for that call. But until they came and spoke to me afterwards, I'm thinking, I've just had somebody walk out. This is the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Um, and it wasn't what I thought it was. So again, I think you know, let, having those conversations uh, can be, again, is, is, I just think really useful, but I think it's all part of that kind of learning journey. So, so there's a lot of talk, uh, this, this won't be the only podcast this year, about um, <laughs> regular reviews versus <laughs> annual appraisals and all of this, yeah. this good stuff. And you know, my personal view is, 
what you're describing now, Kelly, is just this sort of human to human. If you see something, talk about it. If you know, if there's a problem, talk about it. You know, what, why wait till the end of the year? What's your yeah, sort of view? Yeah, I think we need to have much, much more regular contact with people. I think we've got to stop mm. looking at reviews as this annual tick box exercise. Mm. We have to be treating people as people mm-hmm. and we have those two way conversations. Uh, and again, I suppose in, in the work that I'm doing now and, and again, from a, you know, from a coaching perspective, I do not, um, it's, you know, and I, I say quite openly to people, you know, it, it, I pr- provide or offer kind of unlimited contact and support in between coaching sessions. Now that for me is important because actually if we have a coaching session on one day and I'm not going to see you for another month or I'm not going to see you for another two months, if you're then holding on to stuff during that period of time, thinking I'll talk to Kelly about that at my next session, potentially that's going to hold you back over the course of of those next, you know, over the course of, of that coaching period. So actually I'd rather you just picked up the phone or sent me an email. Can we have a quick conversation? Let's deal with it and let's, let's get you moving on. And I think in the workplace, we are holding on to, and, you know, kind of almost carrying all of these conversations that we want to be having about our performance kind of round in this, you know, kind of backpack that we then kind of, you know, kind of ladens us down for months at a time. Oh, I'll talk about that in my appraisal. I'll talk about that in my appraisal. And, you know, and likewise, from manager's perspective, oh, you know, you know, bring that to your next appraisal, bring that to your next appraisal, bring that to your next one to one. So we can, you know, we're carrying around these kind of really heavy backpacks with this weight on us of all of these things that we're not able to share or deal with. And again, I think that's starting to impact our performance. So I think the more often we can have these conversations, the more I think we can be improving our performance the more productive we can be the more effective we can be the more we know where we need to grow the more we know what we're doing well um, and again I think that all adds to that kind of self-awareness piece because we're, we're doing it all of the time you've given me my little hairs going in with a little buzz Kelly Swingler I, tell you <laughs> I love I love that idea of an emotional backpack between reviews yeah that, that sort of in your mind is a really really powerful metaphor I think because it does weigh you down mentally you know you know know, I've had a mental health challenge in the past so I'm very passionate Mm -hmm. about sort of talking about that and I think when when I had my challenge what nearly two years ago it's totally that you know it was literally a backpack you're carrying around with a load of stuff in it the stress container is getting more and more full you just don't know what to do with it and if you're not talking you know you're gonna you're gonna be nipping these things in the bud as they arise Mm -hmm. if you're talking regularly it's just yeah it is that simple isn't it yeah yeah it is and again again you know I think from a lot of the conversations that I have with people you know they're just like oh my god it feels like this huge weight has been lifted and I think sometimes it is you know you can you are literally taking that bag off yes yeah, letting go of all of that things and and you can't you know I, I get it with it with a lot of a lot of my coaching clients really you can see everything change you know the kind of body language changes the facial expressions change and it's just like oh it's it's like this sigh of relief um, and I uh, probably if I, you know, if I had a pound for everybody that, had, you know, kind of said to me over the years, you know, oh, you know, I feel kind of like 10 stone lighter already. Uh, I'd be in the Bahamas somewhere, but I, you know, I, but I do think it's, it, it just demonstrates the power of having these conversations, the power of being able to, you know, talk about all of it again, you know, talk about the successes. I'm still rubbish. You know, I've, I've, I've got an amazing team around me. Um, I'm still really rubbish at talking about what we do well as a business or what I do well as an individual team are out there, you know, kind of cheerleading all over the place. Um, but actually I just, you know, for me, it's just what I do. 
and but I've still got this growing list of well these are all the things that we need to be improving you know so I'm still kind of on this journey Mm-hmm. But I know that, you know, I need to be doing both sides of that. I need to be looking at what we're doing well. And we, we do, you know, reflect on that monthly as a team. Um, but we're also having kind of daily, I'm having, you know, kind of daily or weekly conversations with everybody within the team about what is working well. How are you feeling? Uh, how did you feel about that conversation? How did you feel this went? How did you feel that went? And, and asking people, because I don't want the team to feel kind of burdened with that. And again, I think more organisations need to be doing that. But I also think as individuals, we need to be better at sharing that rather than the, you know, the kind of typical, yeah, I'm fine. Do you need any help with anything? No, it's all right. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we've got to be more open. Let's go back to that hot conversation stuff. But we've yeah. also got to be more prepared to share because actually if, we d- if we're not telling people about it, people then can't help us. We're sort of striking a chord. Obviously, we started up this quite quite new Twitter chat, this hashtag self care weekly um, Twitter chat. Yeah, yes. And I think that this plays into that quite a lot. I think around this sort of self care piece because I'm even I'm even hearing from you. You're such a cheerleader of your team. You're a cheerleader of each other. But what are you doing, sort of, in terms of for Kelly to make sure that you're reflecting on those sort of successes, those wins? You know, your sort of self care as Kelly. You know, oh how my. good are you at doing that? Uh, I meditate three times a day. Okay. I journal at the end of every day oh, awesome. um, and then I have a, like a, a business planner. So at the end of every week, I do reflections um, on the questions and, and I, sometimes they're not necessarily questions that I'm comfortable answering. <laughs> um, you know, but, but some, you know, it's, uh, um, and I, I, don't, I don't mind plugging it. I'm not kind of getting any money from them, but um, it's a daily greatness business planner. And some of the questions in there kind of every week are, you know, what, what, could, what have you done well to lead your team this week? Um, and then another week, it might be what could you have done better as a leader this week? Oh, nice. um, how, have you, how have you grown this week? How have you shown uh, compassion this week? How have you developed your team this week? How have you reflected on your achievements this week? So, you know, the, the questions kind of vary. I think there's about six or seven questions every week that, that kind of alternate or, or they'll come in, in you know, slightly different orders. But just from doing that stuff, actually, it's, it is nice to be able to look at, actually, we've had a really, really great week. Brilliant. Uh, or actually, we've had some challenges. This is what we need to do with it. Or things have, have been a bit slow, but, it, but in a really positive way. And I think, again, just being able to have those conversations with the team. So, again, as, as a team, we, we talk... Um, the end of a Friday we kind of talk about what we've done over the course of the week and then on Monday we talk about the week ahead Um, but even that gives me an opportunity to focus on the good stuff that we're doing that week and the good stuff that has happened that week to be able to share that with them as as they do with with me so yeah. Are those sort of self-care practices I don't know how long you've been doing those for Kelly but is is it between the sort of intensity that you're doing now that's really, and i'll share on the show notes that daily greatness business plan because that's that sounds really cool do, do, are you sort of is it noticeable to you sort of before you had this depth of self-care like level of self-awareness that you had to then to where you are now is there any is there any causative link or at least yeah, or some I think, in some way yeah i i think lots so i think i definitely used to react a lot to things i was okay. um I went, I suppose I went through periods of being quite stressed and I think that would come out in kind of quite a lot of anger. So I would react quite a lot, not out with people, but I think that's certainly uh, uh, in probably personal relationships. 
Um, I think my husband, you know, my, my, my husband at the time probably quite felt quite a lot of that as it came through. But mm -hmm. I think as I've been going through these practices, I'm definitely much more calmer. Okay. And I have better relationships with everybody that is in, in, you know, better relationships with my parents, with my brother, my sister. Um, you know, I, I think it's part of being kind of uh, this kind of gratitude practice. So I think there's always been this, this kind of part of me that has always, again, wanted to keep growing and striving and getting better. And I've always kind of been on to what's the next job? What's the next pay rise? What's the next, mm -hmm. this, what's the next, this, what's, you know, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm much more, I can be much more kind of in the moment now. So I listen a lot more. I can be much more present, um, not in a kind of blase kind of way, but in a kind of, you know, what will be, will be. I've still got nice. very firm plans for where I want the business to go. Um, but I've also realized, and again, I, I talk about this quite a lot now. I've also realized that the only thing I have control over in my entire life is me. Mm. Whereas I think before I started doing this, I was trying to keep control of everything. So my teams, my career, my sons, my family, every single conversation, the money, you know, all of those kind of things. And, and I don't, the only thing I have control over in this entire life is myself. And I think sometimes, you know, realizing that does, you know, kind of take 10, you know, 10 ton of weight off your shoulders because you just realize you've got nothing else, you know, things will happen, but it is kind of how we deal with it and how we, how we then take that forward. So it's changed so many aspects. I mean, they're kind of the immediate ones that come to mind, but it has changed so many aspects. Um, it's 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 been quite a, quite an unbelievable process, really. Uh, yeah, that really speaks to me as well. I know that dealing with a lot of my fear, sort of work over the last twelve eighteen months, and I've started getting I've started doing uh, meditation, sort of when I yeah. wake up fifteen minutes morning and before I go yeah. to bed, and also envisioning as well. Now this is yeah. something I thought was really hokey pokey. I was like, what do you mean, sit there, close your eyes, envision what the world might look like? And it is so weird the stuff that's actually starting to connect when you actually stop, listen. And actually just start taking a bit of action towards it i don't know if you've experienced that as well it's weird like yeah. it's almost spiritual and i will say that i'm not a religious yeah. person but it is almost spiritual yeah. but powerful i think so so powerful um and again i you know i think lots of people certainly that i talk to at the moment they'll kind of talk about envisioning and you know kind of the secret and uh, what is it the power of uh, power of attraction and and all of those yeah. sorts of things yeah. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I don't know anybody that's just sat meditating on a beach, you know, kind of envisioning themselves or visioning themselves uh, as, a, you know, kind of being a millionaire and actually actually happening. So, you know, yeah. I think the visions are powerful. And I think, you know, from from my perspective, the visions or anything that kind of comes through meditation is, is kind of, I suppose, the possibilities. Mm. What then needs to align to that it, it are our behaviours and our actions. And if we align our behaviours and our actions to where it is that we want to get to, that's how we make stuff happen. Mm. And you, we spoke a bit before about sort of fear. Have you, have, you, have you done research around fear yourself in the past? I have, and uh, I'm still doing, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm still doing quite a lot around uh, kind of the, the courage of leaders at, at, during times of change. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if, uh, yes. I know it's one obviously it's very, very close to my heart so yeah, I'm conscious of time 
but um, yeah, maybe maybe that's another call at some point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I maybe just sort of um, as we go into the final topics, we, we spoke about a bit of self-awareness and, and vulnerability. Yeah. How important are you seeing as inclusion as part of this conversation as well right now? Because I'm in a very exclusive world that we live in right now. You know, I, I, I think with technology, you know, with you know, so many billion of people in India are going to be online within the next five six years. Yeah. You know, the, the sort of societal and you know, capitalist dynamic is shifting in a good way mm -hmm. and the sort of power dynamic. How are you sort of seeing that shaping up in terms of inclusion, maybe the conversations you're having with clients to make sure that they really are including their sort of talent? Yeah, again, I, I think with the majority of our clients, I will say actually they do that extremely well. Great. And have been. Again, I, you know, we started the conversation kind of talking about values and ethics and whether that's just the type of clients that we work with or not, I, you know, maybe that's who we're attracted to. I don't know, or, or you no. know, they're attracted to us. So I think that comes across very strong for really all of all of the most of the clients that that we work with, and those where it's where where it doesn't maybe come come forward immediately, they are wanting to get to that point. So actually, they recognise there has been an issue with a group of people or with a team of people that maybe haven't been having conversations where maybe they've not been looking at including as many people as, as they should have done again from an HR perspective I think HR for for many many years have been going off designing all their initiatives in you know in in their closed office and then you know kind of the ta-da moment when they deliver it to the business you know we've got this new pay scheme ta-da uh, and everyone's <laughs> like we don't like it um, so I, I think even from an HR perspective and with most of our clients that we're working with on, on the HR side, just being more inclusive with the conversations that they're having with their people, actually, what would make this a great place to work? What would a great pay scheme look like for you? Do we need to be doing performance reviews? What should talent look like? Um, what kind of learning do you need? You know, it's those kinds of conversations. So I don't know, kind of inclusiveness, collaboration, you know, kind of however you want to call it. But I think there is definitely, I don't know where it's coming from, but certainly with, with the clients that we are working with, there is a shift in quite hugely this inclusion piece and recognising mm -hmm. that we cannot continue to operate uh, either in the hierarchy that, that we've been working in before or from these kind of powerhouses that we've been working from before. There is definitely... A shift happening there mm -hmm. and I suppose I'm quite I don't know proudly is kind of the, the quite the right word but um, I, I am kind of quite proud yes proud is probably the right word that that's either where our clients are coming from or where they want to get to um, and again I don't know if that's something that kind of we're putting out there that is attracting those particular clients to us or, or vice versa but that's that's kind of where we are with it I know lots of people aren't in that place yet and I think mm -hmm. that's where potentially we'll see bigger shifts. I think you might be looking at, uh, you know, more levers. Um, you might be looking at, you know, more mergers or takeovers or business closures or, or whatever might be happening. So I think there's still lots of organizations out there where it's not happening, but I think there will be shifts in that space quite rapidly over the next few months. Awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. That's exciting. That's very, very exciting. Uh, that's massively exciting. And, and, and I guess a sort of uh, a final wrap up for me on, on this is slightly sort of segue to the to the left a little bit. But what I'm also hearing, you know, there's a lot of stuff around agile and sort of, you know, um, you know, that type of work, you know, hackathons, sprints, mm -hmm. all this sort of thing. 
Are you yeah. seeing are you seeing sort of the continued evolution of this sort of almost software approach to design and sort of human-centered thinking in some of your HR? Is that not really where you're operating as a sort of business? Um, I think tech is absolutely going to going to play a, a big part in that. And again, I think from a from an HR perspective we are still so far behind with our systems with our data we don't really look at analytics for a huge amount of stuff um or the data's not been right businesses haven't invested in hr systems as much as they should do over the years and certainly you know like so i've, I've not been in as an employee within a business now for you know kind of almost five years but mm -hmm. even then you know we were having to put stickers on our hr system on kind of a daily basis and every time we were then producing reports it was always with a caveat of this is likely to be an issue this is likely to be an issue and this is likely <laughs> to be an issue so the data was yeah. really unreliable so i think data needs to play a huge part in what we do from an hr perspective and i think that then drives around you know kind of workforce planning that looks at what we're doing from an lnd perspective where we've got mm -hmm. gaps um, what the future might look like, where can we start to change stuff? So I think that's going to be, that's going to see a big shift. I think where we're starting to see lots of growth at the moment is around kind of engagement, uh, engagement software, engagement platforms. Um, workplace by Facebook, I think loads and loads of people that I've been speaking to recently have kind of bought, you know, started to bring that in place. So again, a much more collaborative space there, particularly again within HR, mm -hmm. um, to have that much more kind of face-to-face -face view. Um, I think it's going to continue to grow, but I also think what we need to get better at as HR, if I focus just on kind of the HR professionals at the moment, I wouldn't want us to get to a point where we then start to hide behind the tech. Yeah. We have to get better at having, again, go back to those hot conversations piece, we have to get better at doing that. We have to get better at talking to our customers within the business. We have to get better at collaborating with different teams. We have to get better at producing solutions or you know, designing initiatives that the business actually want, not just because we've seen it on LinkedIn and think that we should be doing it as well. We've got to be giving the business what they want or what they need, may not necessarily be what they want, but we have to be giving them what they need. And I think we can only do that by having much more of those open, you know, honest, open and transparent conversations in the first place. I wouldn't want HR to just start hiding behind the tech because the system says we do this, because I think then we'll just end up going down a completely different rabbit hole. And I think if we get to that point, there will be no need for HR in the future because we will not be proving our worth. Uh, I'm completely with you on that. And I think what I'm also sort of sensing as well is this sort of almost full loop back to the self-awareness and vulnerability piece which is actually as hr do we as, as as hr functions are we aware are we aware enough of what the business needs are we aware of our own personal gaps are we aware of how do we actually play a part a part in the future and i, I don't think we are I, I think you know again from an hr perspective i think we and again, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. This definitely isn't a, every HR professional. I'll make, I'll make that very clear. There are, lots of, there are lots of lots of great ones out there. But I do think for, for a lot of the time, we've kind of hidden behind the HR badge. And, it, you know, in some cases, assume that we know it all because mm -hmm. of everything that goes on within the business. Um, I don't think we're particularly great at admitting where we've made mistakes or admitting where we don't know things. And I think as, as, as HR individuals you know inside the hr profession 
we have to get more self-aware we have to get better at having the conversations we have to get more comfortable in stepping away from the policy and treating the person like the person we have to get better at you know giving the business what they want coaching people developing managers we've got to get better at business acumen commerciality data insight research development all of those kind of things but fundamentally we have to understand who we are as individuals and what our values are and and, and i guess you've almost got um because i see i see how you fit in almost in this sandwich you've got i totally agree with what you're describing and then you've also got quite a lot certainly in my opinion from what i see and sense an awful lot of still relatively fear-led senior leadership teams and organizations who are still coming out of the old ways of working, the old sort of um, cogs in a machine ways of working. So, so HR to some extent hasn't had that support to necessarily be brave and vulnerable and let's go out and try and talk to everybody because they've been a bit fearful of doing that. I think they're... potentially, yeah, potentially in some cases, but I also then think as HR professionals, we've because we've not necessarily had the data or we've not been able to demonstrate why this is a good idea that we do it or actually we've tested it within the organization or we or this is genuinely what our business wants i think we've just we, we, you know in some cases we need to be firmer we need to challenge right if we do not do this these are going to be the consequences and actually kind of lay it on the line that way so yes we have had that from some leaders i've certainly had a lot of pushback from from leaders over the years um you know when when i was an employee but if I genuinely believed it was the right thing for that business, I was not taking no for an answer. Okay. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, I, th I think we need much more of that within the business. So influencing, mm -hmm. uh, I think is a, is a key skill that we need from an HR perspective. Um, but by doing so in collaboration with our colleagues from across the business, not just designing it in isolation, presenting it to the board, expecting them to be brought into it straight away and then going off and delivering something that the business don't want. I totally, I really like that. Cause I'm really hearing you talk about like I said, that challenge the status quo piece, which is really hard, but it takes accountability. Yeah. And I know you sort of, you went back, if I go back a step of what you just described as well around this, you know, HR has got this unique opportunity it's the only function, the only function that sees every single facet of an organization. Yeah. So it's a huge opportunity to stand up and yeah. be counted. Absolutely. If so, we use it right, this is a really, really exciting time for HR. Really yeah. exciting time. Yeah. What a positive note to end on, I there think. There you go. So, no, love it. But look, I can't believe where the time's gone, as always, Kelly, when we have a chat. Hello, sorry, I just rambled, don't I? Not at all. It's awesome. There's a, there's a lot of depth in this, a lot of depth in this. And I think maybe, maybe as we wrap up, is there anything you're sort of reading or anything that's really sort of piquing your interest at the moment that you might want to share with the listeners? As a, Again, it's, it, I appreciate it's your, your, your view, just your <laughs> interest. You know, what sort of, what's really sort of making you think or challenging your thinking at the moment? Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm out of books at the minute. Mm -hmm. The, um, the one book I'm reading at the moment is actually called Teaching Yoga. My sister recommended okay. it part of my yoga practice but uh, I'm only kind of halfway through the first chapter but the principles in there are much more than teaching yoga I, I think they're yeah. kind of life principles I think you could put them into business principles um, again the, the kind of there's one line in there about uh, you know again about kind of honest open communication and I was like oh that really resonates with me so uh, yes yeah, so I am completely out of books so if anybody's got any recommendations they want to recommend to me I'm more than open to them because my bookshelf is empty I've read everything uh, and I keep kind of taking them into the office but yes uh, the one for me at the moment is teaching yoga 
but it's more than just yoga this is kind of principles for life and business awesome thank you for that i will add that to the show notes i've got one recommendation for you but i haven't read it yet but i've been reading a lot about it on twitter yeah but david graber's bullshit jobs oh okay it looks amazing. It's, but literally, okay. what, what, yeah, he's done a, does a lot of talks as well. He's just talking about the fact that actually so many jobs that people have got are actually quote unquote bullshit jobs that basically okay. they're not actually needed. Yeah. If you actually look at what the job actually provides, i.e. lawyers, this sort of thing, in the end, there's not actually a job if you actually okay. strip away the litigation and the, the sort of copyright stuff. So yeah, it's quite an intriguing one. So David, I'll have a look at that one. Thank you very much. Jobs. Yeah, I, I thought the phrase might 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 might, uh, might appeal to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Kelly, look, it's been a joy as always. So thank you for sparing the time. Have a great pleasure. Lovely to speak to you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi there, just Gary Turner. Just wrapping up this brilliant podcast with Kelly Swingler with a few reflective notes. Um, there's three main takeaways for me. One was around these hot conversations. So conversations based on honesty, openness and transparency. You know, with the world of tech that we're seeing blowing open, um, the ability to keep things secret um, for any amount of time, I think it's really, really good that, that, that Kelly is build, build, really building her business around this honesty, openness and transparent conversations. And I think the more of us that do that, the better. And it certainly will rehumanize the world of work quicker. Um, but the biggest takeaway from me, and probably it's quite personal, was around this emotional backpack that we all carry around um, during the course of our, our working week, our working, our working world. And I think this is particularly a, a challenge, as Kelly alluded to, when we have out-of-date performance management or feedback systems. Kelly's very much a fan of regular adult-adult conversation as or when a conversation is needed. And I think that's still too sorely missed from the world of work, certainly my personal experience and from the experience of talking to others. And I think why this is so personally for me with my my previous mental health challenge is that the the stress really does build. You know, this emotional backpack metaphor is really, really powerful. And I think it's something that we should all reflect upon. It really emphasises why we need to be focusing on our self-care. It's not a selfish act um, to be taking time out, to be getting to the gym, to taking taking a full hour for your lunch. Um, You know, we really do need to be keeping these stress containers or a.k.a. the emotional backpack empty as possible such that we can live the fullest possible life and therefore contribute the best possible way to our organisations. And I think I have to mention it again just because I was so impressed by it um, as I wrap up. Kelly's passion her energy and her absolute clarity as to who she is what she believes in and the difference that she wants to make um in the world of work it's just really inspiring for me and you know I, I always learn something new talking to Kelly but I don't know I've just seen another depth to her today which I'm really really impressed with and I just think it's so clear that she she knows who she is and the difference she is trying to make that um yeah I, I can I can easily see why she attracts clients that believe um in making the difference that she also wishes to uh wishes to make and I think I will just add an extra extra comment as well around this sort of midlife crisis concept um you know it's very common I guess I could say I've hit a similar sort of thing myself over the last two years hence my energy and passion um to try and make a difference in uh, in the future world of work but I really see the next the next half if it is a half um of my life being a midlife something based on a midlife awakening really you know the opportunity to use that wisdom 
the learning, the mistakes, the errors um, that have been made in the first part of your life to better effect in the second half. So, yeah, that's another thing that I'm sort of reflecting on this evening uh, as I go into the next self-care weekly at 8pm this evening. So have a fantastic evening, one and all. I do hope that you find this podcast interesting. Please do reach out to Kelly with her contact details, which you'll find on the show notes. And also, please do reach out to myself as well, should that be of interest. I'm on Twitter, at Gary Turner Zero, and also on LinkedIn. Thanks for now.